What is going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me, as always, is my podcasting partner, Paul. What is going on, Suns fans? Nice. <laughs> and welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, the OG Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys, by the fans, that is us. Yes, it is. As always, intro and outro music provided by Park and Main. Check them out at parkandmainband.com. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of Whirl. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. And the Bright Side of the Sun podcast network is available at brightsideofthesun.com and all, on all podcasting platforms. So, <laughs> last week we talked about potential targets this upcoming offseason for the Phoenix Suns. Um, one thing that's come up in the interim uh, and was something that was talked about around the trade deadline as well is the Suns possibly looking for a starting or a different starting power forward at least. The name that's been floated around quite a bit has been Aaron Gordon. His name came up again recently because, well, we, I think, all knew that talks had occurred. There was confirmation that talks had occurred between the Suns and the Magic about Aaron Gordon around the trade deadline. So that spurred people to, again, start diving into the should the Suns trade or attempt the trade this offseason for Aaron Gordon. Um, Paul, I know you have some thoughts on that. I do. And I do as well. But why don't you go ahead and, and, and lead us off here. Should the Suns make a run at Aaron Gordon or some other somebody power. else? Well, I, I mean, comes to mind. I mean, even during the trade line trade deadline, I admit I actually threw out the question of a Aaron Gordon for Kelly Oubre straight up trade because I'm like it kind of on paper it kind of solves issues that both teams had at the time of you know the Suns were a little undersized in that front court area and the uh, Magic were a little oversized. Um. We didn't have the data we had at that time um, about how good the Suns starting lineup was with um, uh, uh, Rubio and Booker and Bridges, Ubre and Aiton. You know, there because of Aiton's suspension, because of uh, various injuries, things of that nature. There was had there wasn't a lot of minutes there. Right. We didn't know what we had, and we just. On paper, it's like, oh, they need a little bit more size. No, they don't. They do not at all. They are a very, very, very good unit together. Um, I don't think that is the focus the Suns need to have at this juncture. You know, I mean, things could possibly change, but I mean, you know, you can address that at next year's trade deadline. This offseason should be about addressing the issues that are in the lineup, not messing with the one thing that works. Right. You know, our issue is depth. Our issue is additional scoring when our primary scores aren't on the court. Our issue is distribution when our primary distributors aren't on the court. Our issue is depth. <laughs> I don't know how, what other way to say it. I mean, we have depth... We have depth, we have guys, but none of them, but they're all complementary players. The, none of them do, like, they all do, like, the little things that help you win games, but 
we kind of need a couple of them to do some of the bigger things. Right. Right. Well, and, and I think also, I mean, not to beat a dead horse, but we've talked about the injuries a lot. The team as it's made up is a team that would be in a better spot in terms of competing for a playoff position if the injuries had at least been parsed Average. out a little bit differently, <laughs> I would say. I yeah, mean, it's- when you're missing, again, not to be a dead horse, but multiple front court guys for multiple games, not many NBA teams are going to have enough depth where if we say three of your top four front court guys are going to be out for X number of games together where they're going to be able to recover from. Them. Right. And many of those members, those guys were also out individually at various other times during the season for various other reasons. Right. Right. And, and I tend to agree with you. And, and we had put this up as a poll on the fanning the flames, Twitter account asking <clears throat> those of you who listen, who follow us, if the Suns could trade for Aaron Gordon, but it required giving up Kelly Oubre, which it would, uh, Most would you do yeah. it? And I like to I like to see that we have very intelligent and like minded fans uh, out there. Th- th- those are, those are two mutually exclusive things. <laughs> intelligent and like minded? No, no, they're they're they're, they're like minded the with us. No, I, <laughs> I stand I stand by it. They are one in the same, as far as I'm concerned. But. Seventy-seven point five percent of the people that voted said no. How many votes did we get? No, uh, we don't need to talk about that. Talk about that. Eighty. Is that bad? Um, yeah. Hey. 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 So, anyway, I, I think that your point is completely correct, and that is why mess with something on this team that is working, like we've discussed before, and like his a lot of people have discussed that starting lineup as far as net plus minus goes or net rating goes, right? Yeah, net rating, was yeah. Was the best starting lineup. And I don't know if, it, it, if they maintained it, but if they didn't, they're still one of the top starting lineups in the league right? based and, on that stat. And that's net rating. That's not on-off stats. That's not when these guys are on the court, on the court because they're so much better than the bench, it looks better. And this is against the other guys on the court. When that group is playing, they are beating them by something roughly around 20 points. Yeah, it was 18 to 20 per 100 possessions. Per 100 possessions, yeah. Yeah. So, and again, that puts that starting unit up towards the top of the league in that regard. So, at the end of the day, when you're going through a process like the Suns have been for the past decade or so, when you get to a point where something is working, I don't see any need to to mix it up. I mean, I and I like Aaron Gordon. Outside of the fact that he's a U of A guy, um, I, I, I like his game. But at the same time, one of the holes that the Suns have is also three-point shooting. And while Aaron Gordon is capable of making threes and good enough that a team has to kind of respect that, he certainly isn't a shooter. Right. He's not a great three-point shooter. He's not even, I I don't think, an above-average three-point shooter. So... He doesn't really help the team out in that regard. Uh, and I think the absence of Kelly Oubre really is underscored by those games against Golden State and um, Detroit. Right. I mean, the we need team... a spark plug. <laughs> right, right. And, and I'm not saying that Aaron Gordon can't provide that, but he can't provide that. No. <laughs> okay, I am saying he can't provide that. 
uh, as much as he can bring <coughs> explosiveness, flashy dunks, flashy plays, what have you, I'm sure he'd be good for one or two alley-oops off the backboard to himself in, in a given season. Um, he doesn't bring the same type of energy that that Kelly Oubre brings for this. Team yeah, I mean right he's now. he's a good he's a good uh, he's a good defender too. I mean you know it's outside of height, it's almost like the two players are kind of like a wash in a way. I mean Oubre's. I mean they've had some differences in their stats. I mean this is a little bit of a down year for Gordon, and this is actually a great year for Oubre. But I mean from their skill set standpoint, it's. They, they do all the same stuff as Aaron Gordon's slightly taller. Right, right. And, and, and you know. I, I think that, I mean, if, if, if you had me sit here now versus at the trade deadline, because I was with you at the trade deadline, I, I certainly would have been, would not have been opposed to a Gordon for Ubre type right. trade. But my opinion on that has changed in, yeah. since, since the trade, exactly, trade deadline. Exactly. And, that, and that's my point. And where, where, when the story dropped by Shams that the Suns had, you know, inquired and you know just they couldn't they couldn't get on the same page with the Magic to make a deal work, and like people were like, "Yeah, this is exactly what we need to do." I'm like, "That was exactly what we needed to do at that point in time." Things the information has changed. Mm-hmm. That is a negative move now. I mean, slightly negative. But it would it would hurt our starting lineup, and it, which would just mean that the bench's lack of production is even that much worse because the starting unit isn't as providing any type of cushion. Right, and yeah, it just it it just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, if the Suns are going to make any sort of move via a trade during the offseason, and that trade's going to involve Kelly Oubre, you're going to have to bring somebody more impressive to the table than Aaron Gordon. Right. I mean, that's that's what it boils down to. Because like you said, ideally, I think what we all want to see out of the Suns this offseason is keeping that part that works intact and improving the weaknesses that, that, that we have coming off the bench. Right. Uh, and and I, I expect that that's what's going to happen. I mean, I can't see the Suns being in a position where they're like, oh, yeah, now we do want to trade Kelly Oubre for Aaron Gordon. I mean, I get it. He has a meniscus, but... Everybody has a meniscus. Right. But... but <laughs> He had meniscus surgery. For by, by all accounts, it doesn't seem like this is going to be a hugely detrimental injury right. to Kelly Oubre. I mean, the fact that we're looking at him being reevaluated a month after the surgery certainly indicates to me that they're not thinking this is a three to four month recovery period, which in turn tells me this isn't something that should affect his abilities and the way he plays when he gets back. Um, and, and on top of that, you know, I guess you also have the fact that Kelly Bray is going to his contract here. Right. I'm not sure what Aaron Gordon's contract sure situation either. is, but that still wouldn't really move the needle for me because I think if we want to look at the Suns having a chance at succeeding next season, having that starting lineup intact as it currently is, um, is is part of what will allow the Suns to hopefully succeed next season. And again, that's barring any sort of 
blow me out of the water type of trade proposal. Right. I mean, if putting Kelly Oubre aside, if somebody came to the Suns with a an offer where Rubio would go and a an improvement at point guard would come in, sure, okay, right, yeah. But I when agree. you're talking about, like you said, Oubre and Gordon being at best, at best a wash, because right now, if you put it in a vacuum and told me which player would I rather have, even if outside the context of the Suns starting lineup, but just one versus one, put the one guy in a group of any other players or put the other guy in a group of any other players, I would take Oubre over, over Gordon. Uh, not only because of the intangibles, but I think Oubre is a better shooter. Mm-hmm. Oubre is clutch as hell, too. Yeah, he's I mean, weirdly clutch. I, I don't I don't remember the last time I had such confidence in <laughs> late game shots going in that Ubre ta- than, than than when Ubre takes them um, before his injury. So I think all of that rolled together reaches uh, the same conclusion. That's Ubre for Gordon. No, Ubre for Gordon, and they want to throw a little something else in there. Maybe. Probably not. So that depends on how us, much that little something else is. Right, exactly. Well, I use the term little on purpose. <laughs> Um, that then brings us to what we'll delve into next, and that's, okay, we've looked ahead to the offseason, and we looked ahead to the offseason with the assumption that most of the guys who are getting minutes off of the bench aren't going to be back. Right. But I feel like, particularly over the past week, maybe there have been some games that have changed opinions on that. So we'll delve into... Who from the Suns' bench will and will not be back, in our opinions, next season after we take this quick break? When we talk about players that may or may not be back for the Suns next year, for me, one guy in particular jumps out, and I'll see if you agree or disagree with me on this, Paul, but Dario Saric has, I think, a lot of value to this team. and I agree. He... Has kind of had a weird year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's been some time missed to injury, but then there was that period of time when Monty pretty much took him out, you know, first cut his minutes, then took him out of the rotation entirely. Well, took him out then, of the starting lineup, then put him in right, the bench, then, and then cut his minutes, and then he was out of the lineup, then, and then now he's then, back. Then, and, then got him back in, and there was real, he's, he's really been kind of inconsistent in terms of his playing time this year, but that, since he's been back from his most recent bout with injury, has seemed to change a little bit. And and particularly looking at the past few games, he's played incredibly well. Uh, against Portland the other day, he put up what, 24, I believe, he mm. ended up scoring. Yeah. Uh, the, the games prior to that, the Bucks game, uh, he had another solid game, although not spectacular, but put up 11 and 5, made three of four three-pointers. The Blazers game that the Suns won last week, he had 24 points, eight rebounds in that game, two for four from deep. And like I said, in the most recent game against the Blazers, again, 24 points, 11 rebounds, four for six from deep. So we're starting to see real show out by by Dario as of late. And again, I think he's that player that's kind of a even though there's been some inconsistencies there in terms of his role with the team, he's always shown up, the consummate professional, still contributing, whether it's a big scoring night or not. He still does a lot of things for the team very well. 
And when you're looking at a guy who is still on his rookie deal, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yes, he is still um, on his rookie deal, yeah. And and his qualifying offer this year is $5 million. I don't think he's going to be – million is not his market value, I don't right. think. I, I, I think we both see him being more in the $10 million range. Um, but, you know, depending on what the type of prospects look like out there in terms of free agency, I've mentioned Christian Wood, but he might be playing himself out of out of contention <laughs> just because – the Pistons He's are going to have a lot of money. Yeah, the Pistons are going to have cap space, and they he's really like, don't have much else on that roster yeah, for them the to spend the money on. Gr- granted, he does kind of play the same position as Blake. Oh yeah, well, and so and they already got a lot of money sacked into Blake. He 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 played at least as of a few weeks ago or a couple weeks ago when I was kind of looking at him in preparation for the 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 pod where we talked about. Uh, potential targets he split his time between the four and the five at a 55 45 split so it's not beyond the realm of possibility that he would play alongside blake right um so he might be a guy that isn't necessarily going to be within the range that the Suns are going to want to pay to keep him or to, to bring him in and dario again fills 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 a need in that he's shown that he can score, you know? Well, right. he might not be a quote-unquote scorer. He mm. has the ability to score inside. He has the ability to score outside. He has good vision. He brings all of that to the team. And if he gets a more consistent role and it's that first or second guy off the bench with the starting unit, unit intact right. that we discussed, he might flourish in that type of situation. And And if you're looking at, you know, a guy who is in a contract year. If you can get him for a year, then right. he comes off the books. If you can get him for a couple of years, fine. So be it if, it, if it's at a reasonable rate. So, you know, I look at the bench and understand, obviously, that there are needs. Things need to be improved. Better players need to come in on the bench uh, or at least players that fit into the system well. Right. But at the same time, I don't, know or necessarily want the Suns just to flip their bench entirely. Right. So if I were to sit here and say, okay, there's one guy, and I say bench, Cam Johnson's obviously going to be around. So is Ty um, Jerome. So is Ty Jerome. But but looking at more of the guys who may or may not be here next year, if I had to pick one that I would want to have remain with the team, again, price dependent, I, I, I would say Dario. That, that I mean, that all makes a lot of sense. I mean, Dario is definitely one of those guys who he does a lot of things that don't show up in the box score, and he is much more of a beneficial player on the court than I think the average fan realizes, what, particularly if they just kind of look at his stat sheet on a semi-regular basis. Um, for me, I mean... For me, honestly, I think the guy that I was thinking probably been thinking about the most that might be an interesting guy to bring back would be Javon Carter. Um, you know, we, the Suns had and it like the opposite issue of what they had last year where they ended up coming into this season with way too many point guards. Mm-hmm. Granted, most of them are not good. Um details. And even still going into next season, we'd still have Ricky on the books. We still have Ty on the books. So bringing on a third point guard um, might be a little 
you know, causing a little bit of the same issue when there's like other positions that we need that are more important to fill out. But I just Carter brings some like unlike the other two younger point guards on the team, I feel like what Carter brings will be more beneficial long term for the Suns. I mean, he's got that that bulldogish d- defense with neither neither Ty Jerome or um Elliot Kobo really had. Um and I just it's a it's a nice thing to have in the Swiss Army knife of a of a coach of like, oh there's this guy who we just need to get under his skin and frustrate the shit out of him. Right. And having a guy who can do that and likes to do that is beneficial to have on your roster. I mean you may not play him a ton but he's a guy who, when he gets put out there, particularly on a like with the purpose of you're on a defensive assignment. I mean, if you score great, but that's not your job. He's he's very beneficial. Yeah, and I guess you have to look at it also from the perspective of okay, the the Suns <laughs> estimated, and this this includes this would include. Uh, um, uh, giving up the rights to various guys like, like Dario, the Suns could be looking at $25 million in cap space during the off season. You have to look at it and say, okay, if they have 25 million to not only improve the bench, but to fill out the roster, right? What can you get value wise on the market? That's going to be an upgrade over a Carter based on what he's, you know, going to fetch or a Dario based on what he's going to fetch. And is it worthwhile to, cut more into the cap space that's available to, to get that upgrade. Um, is it a sufficient enough upgrade? And I don't disagree with you. I mean, like I said, Dario would be my first choice, but I would say if somebody else was going to come back and it wasn't going to be Dario, I would say Javon Carter because mm. for me, the defense is huge. Right. Uh, especially on a team that can struggle defensively and doesn't really have a quote unquote defender. <laughs> right. You know? I mean, we're talking about a guy who, if I'm not mistaken, was ACC defender, D- defensive player of the year, his last year at West West, West Virginia. Virginia. Yeah. Um, and he can shoot. Uh, you know, he has those games where he's not hitting them, obviously, like everyone on the Suns does. But at the end of the day, this season, he's been a almost 40% three-point shooter. And that's another weakness that the Suns that the Suns have is, is that three point shooting. Right. So really these two guys that we're talking about right now are two of the guys off the bench besides cam, of course, that are capable of hitting the three and Javon's only in his second year in the NBA too. Right. While he's an older player for a second year player, that doesn't necessarily mean that he's not going to have growing pains, have growing pains, but then work through those and, and continue to develop as a player. Right. Um, and I'm just looking really quickly. If I haven't looked at this yet, but I'm looking at it right now. Split wise. I mean, looking at his three point shooting in October, they only played five games. He shot almost 48% from three. That, that was a period of time when pretty much everybody on the team was hitting everything. Right. Um, November, he played in eight games, shot 41%, struggled a little bit, excuse me, um, 22%. December, 10 games, 25%. But now since then, 
January and February, he shot 56% from three and 42% from three, respectively. And then March, he's at 31%. And that mm-hmm. doesn't include the game against the most recent game against the, uh, Blazers. the Blazers, where he was two for six from three. So right around that same clip. Right. So, you know, point being throughout the entire season, though, he's right around 40%. Even if he's a 35, 36% guy with more minutes, more regular minutes, that's still a good shooting clip for three, especially on, on this on this particular team. And and that's another thing, too. He's been like Dario, very inconsistent in his role on this team so far this year. It's become a little clearer over the past few games because he's finally starting to get more minutes than Ellie. Right. Thankfully, I think all of us Suns fans will say, thankfully, Monty seems to have maybe moved past that infatuation that he had with Elio Kobo. Um, And I'm interested to see what Javon does throughout the rest of the season. Right. Now, another name that I'm sure is on everyone's mind, particularly after not the most recent Blazer game, but the The Blazer game last week and the and the Bucks game is is Aaron Baines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the thing the thing with Aaron Baines to me is his value seems to be more off the court than on. I mean, obviously he's produced at times very well for the Suns this year, but he's also had some pretty significant lulls. It's a it's a very much a a wave and a lot of ups and downs. But he's do you just hear the comments out of the guys, particularly the younger guys? Um, particularly with particularly regards to uh, Baines, Aiton, um, just about what he and Ricky kind of bring to that locker room from that veteran presence, not just the veteran presence of just older players, but older players who have been there, who have been in um, playoff situations, have been in championship situations, whether it's um, you know in the NBA or something else like with Ricky in the Olympics. Um, and so Baines, like, honestly, my question with Baines is, I wonder if it's, I wonder what his number would be, but at the same time, I think it might be, it could be an interesting situation that if there's not a ton on the market and if you can get him to do a one year deal, it might not be the worst thing to do to do like a little bit of an overpay on a one year deal. Just so it kind of preserves that cap space in a way for the next year for twenty was it twenty twenty one off season is the mm-hmm. one that's supposed to be really good. It preserves that cap space, but also maintains a productive player on your team. Granted, backup center is not a position that there are a dearth of players in the league. Right. You know, you can find somebody who could approximate what. Baines gives to you at least on the uh you know box score stuff. I mean the stuff that he gives that's not that um is kind of where the rub is cuz you can't guarantee that the next guy who comes in is going to have similar qualities or be able to provide um a play a similar role in the locker room. So um with that, I it, it depends on the number, and if it, it was just a one-year deal, I wouldn't hate bringing Baines back, but... 
if you had a if you had a go random? off these three guys we're yeah. talking about and say my highest to lowest in terms of my interest in bringing them back onto this team, how would you rank right. those three guys? Because and, and I guess I shouldn't say just those three guys. If you think there's anybody else, by all yeah. means. If you think for some reason Sheck Diallo is a guy the Suns just can't Koba. possibly let walk away, um, throw that person in. But I don't think you think that because uh, yeah. yeah, I think yeah. I mean the, in my opinion, the only three three guys that are potentially worth bringing back would be are the three we've talked about. I mean, we didn't we didn't really speak to Kaminsky. I mean, he does have a team option, and I don't think it's a very it's a very onerous salary. So, I mean, he could be brought back as well. The thing is, I mean, he was a little bit up and down as well, and then he's been out for so long. I don't even know what we have. I don't even know how he would integrate into the full lineup. You know, like with everybody healthy. So. I can't speak to Frank, but like I said, I think his number's pretty small. It's, and five, it's an, about $5 million. And it's an expiring deal, so worst-case scenario, you keep him on. And as long as you don't trade him for something of equal value, you can just... You can He'll be off the books in 2021. He'll be off the books in 2021, yeah. So, <laughs> if I were to... Okay, so back to your initial question. If I were to rank the three on who I would want to keep more... I can argue for all of them. That's the problem. Is like it's like what do I want at this moment? Well, let's look at it in a vacuum. Yeah. So, let's say you're James Jones. Yeah. And you're gonna pick one of these guys to bring back, and that's going to you know don't don't take into consideration free agency. Assume that you know you're you're either keeping a a, a one or a four, right? Mm, either way. Right. Well, a five or a five. Yeah. A front court guy or a back court guy. Right. And in free agency, you're going to then focus on targeting somebody in the other realm where you right. didn't keep the guy. Who would you pick out of those three? I would probably pick Dario. Okay. Because backup centers are very easy to replace. You can potentially find like a diamond in a rough with like a undrafted guy or a second round guy or a guy who was cut by somebody else, you know, and there could be, so there, I think there'll be some interesting kind of backup centers on the market this year. So there could be some options there. And with the way Baines has played, I think he's probably going to, he's possibly going to co- command a heftier contract than I would like to see the Suns sign him to, particularly if he's asking for multiple years. Um, Carter, similarly, but more so, I don't want to run into the same situation with the Suns roster next year in that um, they had way too many point cards. Right. And we know Ty Jerome's coming back. We're pretty sure Ricky Rubio's coming back. So then you bring in that third point guard, we still haven't addressed the issue we've been talking about about what we need at that reserve point guard spot. We need somebody who can run the show. Right, and that's and that's the biggest problem, and that very well could be why Monty was so stuck on Elia Kobo because for all of his flaws... He's the most complete. He, he runs the offense better. I mean, the ball can tend to stick with 
Javon Carter. Yeah. Elliot Kobo is definitely the jack of all trades of those point guards. He wasn't great at any one thing, but he could play a little defense, could score a little, could distribute a little, you know, could and shoot the three a little. And I think he's more of a point guard, you know, quote unquote point guard. Javon Carter kind of has that shooting guard and a point guard type body kind of thing. He's, he's, he's Patrick Beverly Titan. Right. Where you need like a, a Devin Booker alongside him to really maximize his potential. Which is fine. Right. Yeah, and, and, and you know, for me, it's Dario. I, I just think, look, I, I, I think there needs to be some level of continuity on the bench. Aaron Baines, as much as, you know, the primacy recency bias can probably help him because we are remembering right now what he's done as of late, say, for the most recent Portland game, what he did at the early part of the season. Right. The middle part has been less than impressive. Great. And, and, and there have been Not some great, Bob. issues there. Exactly. Um, and at the same time, I, I don't see him necessarily commanding less than, you know, Dario, I think. And I think right. the value, if you, if you keep Dario around is probably going to be better spent keeping him there, uh, especially in light of some of the weaknesses that the team has. And I get where you're coming from with Baines is kind of intangibles, but at the same time. Ayton works with, who's the coach, Mark Bryant? Is that right? I mean, he works with him endlessly. I think that's really where Ayton is going to benefit from tutelage and what have you. And while Baines brings that toughness to the team and some leadership by Devin Booker is becoming more and more of a leader. um, You know, we we, we didn't really talk about this, but that interview with Steve Nash came out the other day. Right. Devin referred to himself as a killer in it. And, and that's the kind of thing that I like to hear. I mean, him saying that about himself is awesome. And, and you know that that type of attitude that he has, the work ethic that he has is something that is going to allow him to continue to develop into a leader on this team. So as far as the veteran leadership aspect of it goes, I don't think Baines necessarily brings such a level that it would offset some of the deficiencies that we've seen in his game. So do you think any of those guys will actually be back though? I guess that's, that's the, that's the ultimate question that we can ask ourselves. Here. I honestly, I don't know how to read James Jones yet. Yeah, that's, that's, like, a, honest, that's a good like, point. Honestly, that, I think that's, that's part, part of the situation. I mean, like with, with McDonough, we had an idea what kind of players he liked and we, but we also, knew he liked to wheel and deal so like nobody was safe or like well certain people were safe but right um James I he's he's hard to read um the moves aren't you know his asset management last summer was less than stellar so it'll be interesting to see what he does I mean both Baines and Dario um, came through via trade and you know sometimes when you make a make a move like that via trade you know you want to make sure that you're win quote unquote winning the trade and that sometimes leads you to sign somebody who maybe isn't the greatest fit or you know you don't really like but you're like I want this guy on my roster because his production 
cost me X. You know, free agency is just money. Which trade was Dario's trade? Dario was, was that was that the one that got Cam? Got Cam, yeah. And the pick that Minnesota got was what Jared Culver. Yeah. Even if Dario doesn't pan out, I think as of right now, I would say the Suns still won that. Not that I pay much attention to Minnesota, right. but Jared Culver hasn't really been. Well, I, I mean, everybody missed on Brandon Clark apparently. But I, I, I yeah, we don't need to talk about that because I. I all the fans wanted Brandon Clark, yeah, which is the annoying we, part. We all wanted Brandon Clark and did not get him. But hey, you know what? We'll see where Cam goes, and, and that's one of those things where you can't really judge what happens on a draft day trade with the until players that are drafted until a couple years. Yeah, we can say what we will about Dario. I, again, I, I think that some continuity makes sense for the bench uh, uh, beyond Cam Johnson and Ty Jerome. <laughs> I think that if I had to put money on it, I would say that the Suns bring back Dario. Well, because the the other thing is, I mean, they have they're going to have what twenty five mil about in cap. Well, if they here's the thing: is twenty five mil, like I said, includes renouncing Dario. Right. So let's say you sign Dario. Let's say it's ten million. Then you're looking at fifteen. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. So I mean, and it's that's kind of where. The question is, is is it easier to sign somebody you got because you have, if you have bird rights for them, you can go over the cap and things like that to get them versus, um, you know, having to go out and get a free agent and then you're hamstrung by like, I can't go over this number um, to get the player on your team. And I lost my train of thought. Well, and... I think, too, if we look at it more long-term, there are, I think, probably more affordable free agents that are going to be point guards this offseason that would be an upgrade over a Javon Carter than there will be affordable free agents who will be an upgrade over Dario. I agree with that. I mean, Sa- and the same thing with same thing with Baines. Baines, right. affordable... If not upgrade, only slight downgrade. Right, <laughs> right. And, like, I mean, for point guard, I think I mentioned this last or couple episodes ago, DJ Augustin comes to mind. Right, There's yeah. an older player, has experience, has been around, knows how to play into a system, has kind of played that serviceable role for a big part of his career. So knows it won't how to be, settle. Right, it won't be difficult for him to slide in and... and, and pick up some backup minutes behind Ricky Rubio. Um, center, I don't know why this name pops right into my head, but Kelly Olenek. <laughs> um, maybe because he's a an Australian. Is he Australian? No, he's not Australian. Australian. I'm just thinking that you everybody from... I'm, I just think that everybody from Gonzaga is from another country. That's more St. Mary's that picks up all the Australians yes. and foreign yeah. guys. Um, but at any rate, I think about... The fact that you know Olenek can stretch the floor, he can he can play center. He's on a big contract right now, but he's not going to get that same type of contract. Not really right. big, big, but he'd probably be right in that same same ballpark as 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 a Baines, if not a little bit less. So, you know, I think that based on what's out there, if they're going to keep somebody around Dario, seems to make the most sense, and I think he brings the most to this team 
based on who's there right now right. off the bench, at least consistency-wise. I mean, we see Baines blow up and go crazy and score 37 points. If Baines was doing that every night, he'd be a max player. Exactly. <laughs> so, all right. Well, we'll wrap up this episode of Fanning the Flames then. Continue to see how this season develops. It'll be an interesting offseason. I feel like we've been saying this every year, we've been doing this, but this is the biggest offseason the Suns have had in a long time. Right. And watch, this is the year we jump up in the lottery. Yeah, I haven't paid much attention to the draft yet, so not, very not minimal. All I know is, uh, all I know is, I still just want Tyrese Halliburton, just so we have a guy with the last name Halliburton on the team. Okay. Plus, he's a tall point guard that can shoot the ball and plays defense, also and distributes well. All very important things for a point guard to be able to do. So, all right, we'll wrap up uh, again. Twitter, you can catch me at so says Jay Paul is at Dervish of Whirl, and the pod is at Dan the Flames NBA. Yeah, there you go. And until next time, depending on when you're listening, have yourself a good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Wu Tang is for the children. Just